This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features Natasha Vitale. It was recorded at Tadmore Distilling in Salem, New Jersey. Please take a moment to subscribe to be notified when the most recent episode has been uploaded. Feel free to reach out to Tadmore Distilling and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. We're here at Tadmore Distilling. She's Tasha Vitale. I'm Rich Shane, and this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Tasha, welcome. Thank you for so, having me. So I'm, I'm excited. We're here in Salem, New Jersey. Historic Salem, New Jersey, not the other Salem that people are probably thinking about when they heard Salem. But we're here in Salem, New Jersey at Tadmore Distilling. How did this distillery get started? Now, you work this distillery. This You own this with your husband, Steve, right? Yeah. So how did all this get started for you? So it started probably 10 years ago with a discovery of bourbon and loving bourbon. All right. Now, how did you discover? Now, was it you that discovered, Steve that discovered? You discovered it together. How did you do that? So we're high school sweethearts. And we've done. I love everything. this. I love this already. <laughs> this is great. We we've done everything together since then, um, and we started to get into spirits. Started discovering all the different alcohols that are out there, um, and bourbon was the one that stuck for us. So I want to say, or for the process of the podcast, you discovered bourbon after twenty one. Yes, of course. Although you met as high school sweethearts. Correct. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was my husband um, is a chemical engineer by uh, schooling, and he's been in chemistry. Do you know how many engineers are on the podcast that are distillers? They're brilliant people, and they, they love to know how things work, and why not know how spirits are made? When you and Steve discovered bourbon, do you recall what some of the first bourbons you discovered were or what you gravitated towards? Yes, because it's still among my favorites. So we took a trip to the liquor store. Um, we took anyway. a trip? I'm, I'm <laughs> this, thinking, this particular time. <laughs> I'm thinking you went to Kentucky. No, you took a trip to the liquor store. Of course. This is the beginning. Um, took a trip to the liquor store, trying different things. We went to the bourbon section. Well, I guess there's a whole bunch of whiskeys, right? But bourbon, we wanted to be like American, right? Um, and I really liked the bottle for Woodford Reserve. Okay. And so you like the shape, you like the label. It was just you it like was the clean. color. It was clean. It looked good. Um, I think it was right next to Double Oaked at the time, and I was like, "Oh, this is great." Um, I like this one. I want to pick out this one. It speaks to me. Um, and so we picked that and a couple of other different ones at the time. But um, you know, we started drinking and you had to build up the tolerance um but we we really liked bourbon and 
particularly Woodford Reserve, came to be one of the ones we liked the most. So that's interesting. And, you know, a lot of people have um, a way to build up to bourbon or whiskey, Mm -hmm. starting with vodka, maybe a clear spirit. I know, you know, rum, possibly. But you went right for bourbon. Yes. We're we're, uh, down here in South Jersey. We're below the Mason-Dixon line. So it's very country, very rural. (laughs) The fact that you point out that this is actually below the Mason-Dixon line. I'll tell you what, I didn't know that. So this is something new for yes. for me to understand and learn. Um, new Jersey gets a bad reputation for being the parkway. Um, lots of factories, you know, the airports. Um, down here, it's cows and soybeans and a lot of nothing. Okay. But we, we love it down here. Um, but we live to we live in two worlds because we also lived in Philly for a while as well. Um, but we fell in love with the countryside, so that's where we stayed. And with that came a love of spirits and bourbon. All right, so bourbon was that first spirit. You and mm-hmm. Steve, that was something you shared together. But where did the idea? I mean, you mentioned Steve's a chemical engineer, but where did the idea of saying, you know what, why don't we try making this and distilling this on our own? Where did that come into play? How did that start? Yeah, so um, we start we started. You know, we figured out bourbon was what we liked. And then over the years, he was like, you know what? I would love to know how to make this. I would love to make this myself because, again, I want to know how everything is made. He's he's a tinkerer. He likes projects. And this was something that he was really interested in doing, um, more so than other the other tinkering things he used to like to do. Um, and so we decided we were going to go to Kentucky. So we did go to okay. Kentucky. <laughs> um, in 2016, we decided we're going to go to Kentucky. We're going to do the bourbon trail. We're going to visit lots of large-scale distilleries and see if we can make this a reality. So were there some distilleries that you went to that you remember or that were more influential in Kentucky? Yeah, I think our among our favorites, so Woodford had like that, just that class and that vibe. So it's, it was funny because that was where we, what we really liked to drink. And then when we got there, it was actually like one of our favorite experiences. Um, Maker's Mark, also a great heritage brand. I, I love Maker's Mark. Amazing. I love the distillery. It's out in the middle of nowhere. The, the drive GPS there. dies. <laughs> the you drive don't there know where you are. So scary. Right? <laughs> it was like a one lane road. We're like, we're going to fall off and die. Right. Um, so as long as you keep either following the tractor trailers or see a tractor trailer coming your way, you know you're on to something, because other than that, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. Yeah, and it's a beautiful, the, the distillery, the, the, the location's beautiful, and just the, the tour is great. I love the Maker's Mark tour. Yeah, it's, it's a great spot. So we, those those stood out to us as the best, um, and then Jim Beam was just like Disneyland for any bourbon drinker, so that was really cool, but um, yeah, I, it, it Kentucky is just so beautiful and so wonderful, and that whole experience really um, really convinced us that we could make it happen. He's like, I can do this, just on a much, much smaller scale. Now, we're talking 10 years from the discovery of bourbon. Where are we in the point of saying, hey, Steve, or hey, Natasha, however that conversation went, let's start to invest into a building, let's start to invest in equipment, and start distilling our own spirits. Yep. What? Where are we on that time frame? And, and take us through that. Yeah, so that was July 2016 we went. Um, and then by that um, winter, uh, the week of Christmas actually, we formed our LLC. We picked a name and we went with it. And, and how did the name Tadmore come about? So we live in Alloway, New Jersey, which is a very small town in the middle of nowhere. Shocking. Uh, and 
Tadmore is a nickname for Alloway. So um, 100 plus years ago, there was a gentleman, he, he was a writer, and he used to nick, nickname Alloway Tadmore in the woods. Um, Tadmore is a city in Syria. It's also called Palmyra. So if those familiar with Palmyra, New Jersey, um, that's it's also derived from there. Um, so we wanted to honor Alloway as the place that we live. Um, and those who are in the know are in the know. So that's the primary reason for choosing the name Tadmore. Um, but one of our other favorite phrases is we want you to ask for just a tad more. So most people I think it's that. the latter. Uh, but that. if you know, and you're local, you know that Tadmore is a nickname for Alloway. Now, this isn't Alloway where the distillery Correct. is. So this is Salem. Yes. How did the location get chosen? How did you choose this location? Yep. So Alloway is very um, rural and residential, and there's not a lot of commercial property. So we actually did look at a building or two in there. Um, didn't work out, but uh, we expanded our horizons, and we started looking in Salem City. And we didn't think there would be anything really that struck us, but we were like, hey, why not? We need a building, and we need it now. And we weren't looking for anything grandiose. We just wanted uh, basically a shack. <laughs> Because we couldn't distill at home. Um, and we looked at this listing, and I just fell in love. And he did too. So Steve was like, this is my distilling space. And I was like, this is where we're going to put people. And it was it just all came together. As soon as we walked in the building, it was like, this is it. And so we wound up here. Yeah, I, coming in, this is a wonderful space. And it's, I'm going to say charming. It's quaint. It's, it's very, I, I always... I felt while we were here the first time that it had a feel of like a bed and breakfast and you really have a very conducive space for what you do, uh, to, you know, as you identified as to why you picked this location. How do you feel or, you know, some of the things that I, I, I look, I look at distilleries and we visit distilleries in, in areas that in some cases you wouldn't have expected or wouldn't be going to that location what the distillery and a brewery for that standpoint, they become the resurrecting fixture of that town. And I, I want to get a sense, or do you have a sense of the value and importance that you mean to Salem right now? Yeah, uh, it's it's a very interesting spot we're in because Salem um, was the place where New Jersey was colonized. Uh, it was uh, John Fenwick founded this colony and Salem City became the place to be. Um, Ben Franklin has business in Salem. Like, it, it's a very significant town in American history. But over the years, it's kind of fallen off the map and um, become a very depressed area. So we love it here um, in that it's so historical. Some of these buildings are from the 1600s. Um, and we want to be that change and that, like you said, that fixture that brings the city back to where it needs to be. Um the, the city itself has been very welcoming. Uh, when we started this journey, I thought, you know, liquor is very polarizing. Um, this may not be a place where we're welcome, but it was the complete opposite. The city has welcomed us with open arms. Uh, and the local residents, as well as the surrounding area, have really adopted us and been so enthusiastic about us bringing um, a distillery back to Salem. So there was a distillery here, I'm, I'm sure, you know, colonial times, <laughs> there was always a distillery somewhere yeah. on a farm or, or what have you. But was there an actual commercial working distillery in Salem? Yeah, so it was actually a block west of here on the port. So we're about a block away from the port of Salem. And that is where um, there was a, a distillery at one time. Uh, it was more of a, like a manufacturing facility for like 
commercial alcohol, not necessarily for human consumption. Uh, but it's it's cool to say, like, hey, you know, there was a distillery that was on a map. It was here. Uh, and we're back. And Salem used to be such a big manufacturing town. We can bring that back here as I well. I think that's totally fascinating. And, and as you pointed out, there's a rich history here. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I'm excited for you and seeing what you're doing is is that you are part of the rebirth of, of this community and you're going to be part of the rebirth of this community. And do you have a sense of, of that as you open up and as you distill what that really means for you in that place in history? Uh, I, I hope we leave our mark on Salem. Um, it's certainly, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe it. I don't, I don't want to boast that, you know, we're the best thing that's happened to Salem in the past couple of years, but certainly uh, you don't see a lot of new brand opening signs on, on the street. So uh, there's now more and more businesses that I think that can fill the Main Street area and we'll just be a part of that story and hopefully bring in, uh, there's a coffee shop opening up next week. Um, more restaurants are coming into town, hopefully in the next year or so. Uh, COVID has certainly made everything uh, a little bit slower and people have taken a beating but i think salem has a lot of potential and we're the start of that journey to something better than what it was now talk about covid and how that's impacted tadmore and the uh you know the changes you've needed to make or how you've become flexible with that how has covid itself affected your business model so before i'm gonna i'm gonna hold that for a second because we talk about 2016 and that was when you got your LLC, and then you had gotten a location. But when was the fir- when did you start distilling here on site? When yep. was that first? Last April. Last April. So, so we're talking April 2019, mm-hmm. and that that's why I wanted to know that because now it dovetails. And you've April 2019, you've got all these plans, you've got all these projections, um, you've got scheduling. We're going to start with this spirit. We're going to do this. We've got aged products. We want to get stuff in a barrel. We're bourbon lovers. It's got to happen with bourbon. And all of a sudden, 11 months later, COVID. Yep. And you're you're making plans for the one-year anniversary and rolling things out. So so t- t- talk us through that and how that's – so this is like – this is you're, – you're the birth of a distillery going through challenges that nobody's – you know, had to face. I mean, we have talked to other distilleries that actually were birthed during COVID. They don't have opened during COVID, but you've got this mindset of, hey, we've got all these plans. Now what? So yeah. what's that been like for you and Steve? Yeah. So we started in April. We didn't open our doors until almost, it's been almost exactly one year. So late October of last year, we did our grand opening. We opened to the public. It was wonderful. And we, um, we sold out before the holidays and we had to shut down for a little bit because we were not expecting this overwhelming response. And then when we reopened, um, you know, January 4th, I think it was, we were fast-tracking ourselves. We were trying to get engaged in local events and starting to really market ourselves now that we had worked out the kinks in the fall. Uh, we had a Valentine's Day event. We had a St. Pat- We were planning for St. Patty's Day. And then everything hit. And so we've actually, effective now, it's actually been longer, but... From March until September 4th, when we were allowed to reopen, we were closed longer than we were actually open to the public. And that really hit us hard because we we just couldn't sustain ourselves on the COVID takeout, pick up a bottle model because 
people didn't know who we were. Right. And it's hard to say, oh, yes, I'd like a bottle of that when you really hadn't, haven't experienced it, right? right? Exactly. And people didn't know we were here, um, which I wasn't going to market for something that I could – like, we're about the experience. So one of the tenets of our business model is that you feel like you're a guest in a home, which you saying bed and breakfast, that's exact. so that makes you feel good that I'm actually getting that done. Um you know, we want you to have a personalized experience. You're not just a number. You're you're coming into our home, essentially. Um, and with that, you can't get that experience from picking up a bottle at our curb. That just, it doesn't make sense. So it, it really hurt. And we, you know. There's a, real, there's a real hard balance <laughs> for you because you've got money tied up in equipment and mortgage and all the costs involved here. And you really could use money coming in. Mm-hmm. So to want to give your customers the experience and also needing to sell things. You, you really have to manage that versus what you had mentioned. Hey, people don't even know we're here. People that have not even tried us, how would they want to buy a bottle? I'm sure you had some sales, just yeah. not what you would have liked to have had to be more sustaining. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was. This was meant to be very much an experience for people and looking at the still, having the tour that's very much about the distilling process and how spirits are made, which you may not get everywhere. So it it, it, it really hit us hard. And fortunately, this is not our full-time gig. So we could take a step back and say, okay, let's just keep making spirits, build inventory. If people buy bottles, that's awesome. And just keep working toward the bourbon release because we know that is where everybody is really excited is when that bourbon release is going to hit. There wasn't a week that went by in the past year that I haven't been asked, when's the bourbon ready? So we're finally there. We finally made it across the finish line. Um, And that's the only thing that kept us going through COVID is the bourbon's coming. So just letting people know, you're almost like Paul Revere. The bourbon is coming. The bourbon is coming. So that that's your that's your uh, reflection on just kind of keeping people, you yep. know, interested. Yeah. Now, what other what other you know changes? What other where where have you been able to grow and develop through COVID for for the distillery? What other things have you worked on just to manage as you've gotten closer? Uh, really leaned in on the social media piece. That uh, reels coming out during COVID was. Um, really interesting because that's su- it's, it's such a, a a riff on TikTok, but it's more, much more accessible to our consumer and who who's following us. So that was really nice. Um, and then I think the other thing was just making sure our online store was in tip top shape because that, um, that has really helped us get the curbside going. And even beyond that, now that we're back into uh, in-person events and in-person experiences, people can now reserve and they understand the process and they can preview all of our items and buy it ahead of time. So I, uh, and especially with the bourbon release, that has been a godsend um, and the age rum because that came out during COVID as well. So uh, we, we we leaned into the online piece as much as we could, um, even given that nobody necessarily knew who we were, but we did a lot of brand building during that time. So that was that was our our, our savior during this whole process. Besides COVID, because yeah. that's been a challenge in itself. Yeah. What other challenges have you had in terms of setting up a distillery and getting things up and running? Uh, learning the process. So despite my husband being a chem- chemical engineer, uh, despite my years of sales and marketing background, the spirits world 
is uh, very unique, right? It's highly regulated. The paperwork involved for somebody of our size, like I can, I can definitely see um, somebody a little bit bigger than us being able to manage it on a day-to-day basis without the headaches, but we're trying to do this in a very efficient manner, and the paperwork required by both the state and the federal government for somebody of our size is just ridiculous. So I will say um, I understand the, the concept, but the practical application for somebody of our size is just uh, an unreasonable ask. Uh, I will say the other part of the spirits industry we didn't understand is actually making it, right? Um, and it took – so we didn't – we couldn't make anything until April. So from April until the fall, we were just in experimentation mode and understanding how do I get that flavor that I really like and not having any training on this exact process uh, was really stressful, but – uh, Steve is a genius and he somehow made it happen and pretty quickly like we experimented with a couple of things and he was like boom this is my recipe. What were I love some it. of those stressful conversations <laughs> that you and he were having during that time? Um, how many yeasts can you possibly buy? Okay. <laughs> um, and and the response was how many are there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then just one more. Yes. And then a I think the other more. thing right. Yes. Tad more yeast please. And then the other big thing was our corn. So our for our bourbon, our corn is unique, uh, and we decided to plant it ourselves. Okay, so this is this is okay. This is exciting. Your corn is unique. You planted it yourself. Yes. Talk about your corn for your products. Yeah, so it's an heirloom variety okay. called Jimmy Red, and um, if you can read about it online, it's very interesting backstory around um, it almost going extinct, then bringing it back, and uh, Steve wanted to grow it. And we had just had a newborn, and so he planted it because I was I, w- I was very pregnant at the time of the planting, and then at harvest we had a two month old, so um, he he babied it. We had a we had a one acre plot in our front yard, and he <laughs> he would go out and tend to the corn <laughs> that he had planted all summer, which is very funny. Uh, and we we harvested enough ears at the end of the season. Um, in our pickup truck, and then we shucked it and dried it, and then we gave it to our farmer friend in so Cumberland County. For, for those who can't see on the podcast, you're making hand I'm gestures like, yes, where sir. you dried it. Now, you made this kind of like butterfly, <laughs> if you're swimming, effect in the air. Where was the drying process for the corn done? In our basement. In your basement. Yes. Okay. So there were there were a lot of these six-foot folding tables all over our basement. All with corn. And they all had corn kernels on it. It was very fun. That sounds fun. That's what I wanted to do <laughs> during my days off. <laughs> so, but you said you took it to a farm. Yes. So, uh, we have a, a very good friend who is a farmer, and he grows corn normally. Uh, obviously not this type of corn, but we said, hey, can you do us a favor and plant a, a plot of this so that we can then take it to the malt house and they could process it for us. So, he uh, he actually helped, Steve helped plant it. Uh, with the friend, so we were very much involved in the actual process from the beginning of it, including the seeds. Uh, and now, we had a good is, harvest last year. This is great. This is the quintessential farm to bottle, farm to glass, mm-hmm. because you're not just distilling or fermenting the corn, the grain. You're actually planting it in the ground. Yes, it's a labor of love. It actually is, but you've decided the one acre part of your front yard is better suited for something else than planting corn now. 
Yes, yes. That was just to get the, so, the so starter now you, seed. Now you started planting done. other things. <laughs> uh, no, no. We're, we're, do, we're done being gentlemen farmers. <laughs> okay. Now, so you, you said now you take it you, you take it to a malt house. Yep. And is that close by? Yeah, so it's only 15 miles away. Who, who does your malt? Rapid, Rabbit Hill Malt House. Wonderful. Uh, which they're, they're wonderful partners. Hillary has so much brilliance. And also she has a chemistry background. So when her and Steve get together, it's like chitter chatter. When you can't get out of there, I'm like, I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. Uh, but they're really great partners. Um, they're just so invested in, in the process and the success of their distillery and brewery partners. We talk about this quite often with other distillers or brewers and things about how important just the whole community and collaboration is and how the industry grows. You decide to open a distillery and now you develop this relationship and help somebody else's business grow, who in turn helps other businesses grow along the way. And that's the exciting, I, I think that's the exciting part where people are starting to come together and helping to rise the whole industry and make each other better which I think you're a part of. But my question to you is, it was Jimmy Red, mm-hmm. which is the corn. So how did you and Steve, or how did Steve decide that that was the specific corn? Had you read something, or did you know of another distillery using that corn? No. So uh, funny story. Because you said it almost it almost died, right? Yeah, it yeah. Uh, a family friend actually brought it up to us as an option that we should explore, and we decided we really liked it, and we – Plowed ahead. Uh, I got you. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got the corn going. You've got that planted. You've got your relationship with rabbit that you're doing the malting there. Mm -hmm. Corn is not the only grain that you have sourced. And you're also making rum. Yep. So where are you sourcing the ingredients for those products? So uh, all of our grain for the bourbon does come from Rabbit Hill. So the rye and the barley as well. Uh, and then for the rum, that's actually coming from a little distributor, they may not be little, called Atlantic Sweetener uh, near Hamilton. So uh, they they have uh, given us lots of sugar and molasses to play with, which is excellent. I, I've I've never seen so much molasses in my life. <laughs> and they'll, they'll, they'll keep giving you more if you need, right? Oh, yes, yes. So our molasses is actually made up in Yonkers, uh, which is fairly close. Which we, we like to be as local as possible, I think. A well, lot there's of, no a lot sugar of, cane growing But no sugar cane. Salad. No sugar cane, unfortunately. Right. So we had to outsource it a little bit. So the molasses is up in Yonkers, uh, and the sugar is down in Brazil. Now, are there uh, – we'll taste these in a, in a moment, mm-hmm. but are there – you know, between what you and Steve have put together, what is it that you – can, you can share the mash bill as far as what your bourbon is, but is there a secret part of that that only you guys you, – you hold on to that you're not going to divulge? Is it the yeast – is it, is it, what is it about it that you're kind of saying, well, this is our proprietary mm-hmm. secret? Yeah, it's the, the yeast is the magic sauce for okay. us. Um, like I said, invested a lot in yeast, had a lot of problems, but we figured it out. Now, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, Steve isn't here, and, you know, my, my question is because you've had these conversations, what was it like figuring that out? That, getting the right yeast or getting the right, you know, how, doing fermentation the correct way and then taking it through the distillation process. Yeah. So we're, because we're so small batch, so I know people say like we're a micro distiller, we're, we're a nano distiller. Uh, we use four 30-gallon fermentation tanks 
and we have a small 26-gallon flute still. Like, it is not, it is a very small batch. So um, every batch that we make, although small, um, it takes a lot out of us. So all of the the learning and, under, like, as soon as you get through that first distillation and you're like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> what do I do with this? Um, you know, it, it's it's really disappointing, especially in the beginning when you've never made anything before and you don't know, like, I've just invested my whole life savings into this. Am I even going to be good at it? Um, so certainly the, the upfront experimentation is rough, but once we figured it out, and of course, I think the other part of it is, right, we tackled bourbon. We tackled the American icon. Um, that's a those are big shoes to fill, especially with all the wonderful products that are out there today. So um, once we got through that and we moved on to rum and we were like, well, this was easy, <laughs> you know? Uh, we So we had all of our heartache on our baby, which is the bourbon. What I hear you say is, and, and, and what I gain from all this is just, you're laughing through it all. And you, but I think what that says is you really enjoyed the process. Yeah. It's been tough. It's been a struggle. There have been challenges, but you've really enjoyed doing it, right? Yeah, I, there are certainly days where we're like, we're, we can't do this, we quit. But then, you know, you go to you sleep on it, you get back in here, and you try again. And you eventually figure it out if you're passionate enough. And that, that's been, I think, the core of everything we've done is this is passion. Um, and the passion gets you through all the hard times. I think that's just a testimony to relationships, right? Yeah. The passion oh, gets oh, you through the hard yet, times. Which, that's exciting. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm <laughs> very glad. Um, <laughs> when we listen to the podcast or when you listen to it years from now, say the same thing. Okay? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many days a week are you firing up the still? Ideally two, which I, as, sounds very sad, but because we both work full time, it's, it's really when we get here. So last night, uh, well, yesterday, uh, Steve got done work at one o'clock. He came over here and he distilled until I think six or seven o'clock. And then he came home, went to sleep, went back to work the next day. So um, we try to distill when we're giving tours. That way, like I said, we give people that full experience and, and people can see what's happening. Um, but sometimes that, that doesn't happen, which I get very disappointed because I want people to see and feel and taste everything that goes in. And all, again, all the love and labor that goes into it. But yeah. Tasha, you talked about you know, the, 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 process mm -hmm. and you've been distilling since, since April, mm -hmm. you've been open since October. I, I, I'm curious about that April day after you got the whole ses. you know, what was it like doing your first fermentation? What was it like doing your first firing up the still? What was that experience like for you and Steve? Uh, nerve wracking because it's like, are, are we doing this right? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, but it, it was like, it was it was three years of just waiting and paperwork and finding a building and finding the equipment and all of the, all of the work that it took to get to that moment and it finally happening. And you're like, this is awesome. This is great. And just firing up the still for the first time was the most amazing feeling. Um, I, I don't think we've ever, well, except for our birth of our son, I don't think we've ever been happier. Uh, <laughs> it, was it was probably just... <laughs> less painful for you, I would imagine, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, and it was just like, we did it. We started a distillery. Can you believe it? Um, because we had talked about it for so many years, mm -hmm. and the, the upfront, it just, you never think you're going to get there. And when you finally get there, it's just like this aha moment, like, we've done it. Now what do we do? 
<laughs> was there were there conversations with family, friends? Did you did you and Steve share the idea initially, or did you kind of keep it to yourselves? Uh, we probably kept it to ourselves until the day we bought the building because you couldn't keep it a secret anymore. Right. Um, why why are you at this random place in Salem? But uh, they were all very very encouraging. That's great. Um, it's funny because none of our our immediate families are not drinkers. None of them drink. Like, uh, I had my sister tried the bourbon the other day, and she's, like, making faces. And she's like, I think this is good, but I don't know. All I can taste is the burn. Um, so it's funny that we, you know, Steve and I are drinkers, but our families aren't. But they were all very encouraging. They're like, yeah, do it. This is great. And they all want to buy the first barrels, and they all want to buy the first bottles. That's very nice that they want to buy the first barrels. <laughs> right. Um, but I'm like, no, you get one bottle. Because um, all it's going to do is sit on your shelf. There's people who actually want to drink this, including right. myself. Um but it, it's it was awesome to see all the support, even though we had hit so many roadblocks along the way, and it took much longer than we expected. Um, that they they stuck along with us for the ride, so we made it though. We made it. Awesome. Now we have a couple glasses in front of us, mm-hmm. and you have this experience, and I love the way you present. By the way, oh. that you have the pre-written tasting notes on a card in front of, you know, just as, as you're providing your samples. Although I guess now you have to get the card redone I know. because you had three spirits and now you have four. So you have to add the bourbon to that. But I think that's the, the, the surprise item that people get to get to try. My, my, so you have the experience. Take us through the experience. Of course. If, if we're walking in here, Fermented Adventure walks in, we get to do a tasting with Tadmore Distillery. Yeah. So I have four spirits in front of you and we're going to start right to left. So, uh, what I like to always do... If you're listening on your headphones, it's still right to left. Yes. My, well, I say, for me, it's left to right. Don't let for it me, it's right you. to left. Okay. <laughs> um, so, we're going to start with uh, our unaged spirit, which we call fledgling. So, um, because by definition, by the federal government, you can't call your bourbon before it's been in a barrel bourbon. Right. We have to give it a fun name because when we actually... I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but you can run a spirit, which is supposed to be bourbon, over a barrel, like over a stave as you bottle it, and you can call it bourbon whiskey. As long as it touches oak. I mean, you, I'm like, not by, by the technical name of bourbon, right? Um, because there's that criteria of what it needs to have. But yeah, as long as it touches wood. They've had labels that say age two seconds. Yeah. I had no idea. So uh, we call it fledgling. Fledgling is a baby bird. So this is our, what we call our, our, our baby bourbon. It hasn't yet earned its wings. So it's 88 proof. Um it should have all of the definitive qualities of new make. So it's got the butteriness. Um, we have some like polony floral flavors, which is very much driven by our yeast that we choose. Um, and then you might also taste like, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll let you, you pick out what okay. you think you taste. But um, it's, it's certainly not moonshine, which I hate the word moonshine when people say it. About this product. So their, their, first, their first impression is, oh, th- is this moonshine? Yes. It's not moonshine. This is better than moonshine. This is destined to be bourbon. We just bottled it. So I I particularly like the smell. I mean, it's just it's it's just such a nice smell. You're very correct in what I... Well, you're correct, but... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're correct in what I smell. What I would say to you is, um, I get the floral notes on the nose. The first thing that I was able to get was the corn... 
and then it opens up to that that floral note from there. Yep. Now this has been sitting out for a while, so it's had some time to open up a little bit in, in the air. Um, how did you? So so I guess my question is not how did you, but we go back to that corn. Mm-hmm. What characteristics do you derive from that specific corn that helps to make this unique versus just uh, a number two corn or whatever that is? Yep. So I. Th- the, the yeast that we landed on, so we picked the corn before we picked the yeast. Um, so I, I think, it, like, if you smell it, right, you get that that, that buttery floral flavor smell. It's just I, that unique smell is because that particular yeast interacts with that corn in a certain way. So we've done it with yellow corn. Okay. And it's different. It's certainly different. And we didn't prefer that because we were, we were very open to using a regular old run-of-the-mill corn. Also, pun. Um, <laughs> I'm all, keep I'm going. All, keep all the puns. This is the uh, the pun episode of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but that that unique like polleny smell that you're getting is because of that Jimmy Red corn. I also get yeast. mint on the nose, so I get a little bit of mint there too, and it it almost a little bit of it's it's this moist kind of dew in the morning kind of a smell mm-hmm. on there too. It's something I've never like. Uh, Maybe I just haven't explored the depths of the moonshine um, repertoire that's out there, but it's it's a unique profile that when people put it on the rocks, they can even sip it just by itself. Which the, you know we we tend to market it as a mixer because people just don't know what to do with it, but you can put it on the rocks and drink it, which I do often. For those that are not experienced bourbon drinkers or those that are not experienced whiskey drinkers and what you're bringing to the introduction of this spirit. So you've got your white dog, you've got your, um, your, your clear spirit, your, your clear bourbon, your unaged bourbon. It gives them a good, once you get to your bourbon, Hey, let's give you now an idea what happens when it hits that yep. wood and, and ages for a while. Yes. I love the before and after comparison. Uh, it, it blows people's minds how much of an impact the barrel has, um, so to, to take them from one to the other, they're just like, oh, wow. Okay. This, this is what happens because I, I didn't realize that so many people didn't realize that all spirits come off the still clear. Um, they'll see, cause uh, you know, we'll show like, here's first distillation, here's second distillation. And they're like, why isn't it brown? Right. And I, you know, I just didn't know that people didn't know that, which again, this is one of the wonderful things about this whole experience is being the tour guide every day. You get to figure out like what's in people's heads. What do they actually know about spirits or don't know? And then you can educate and inform people so that they appreciate it. Yeah. I think it's about the appreciation. And just as, you know, we're sitting here and we're just talking, um, we get a chance to just sit here and we're both nosing this and that's part of the experience. And I think that that is all lost in what bef- I didn't have that experience before we and Dawn and I, we were going to distill. I didn't know anything about the nose part of it. And to me, that's 50% of the experience. Yeah, just holding it under your nose yeah. and just like enjoying it. And that's what I tell people. And again, that's why I don't like the name Moonshine because it does a disservice to this particular product is it's meant to be enjoyed. Like it's supposed to have a flavor. It's not meant to sit there and get you drunk, right? Like it's, it's an experience and to just sit there. And I especially like to sit and watch reruns of the office at home (laughs) and hold my drink of choice for the night under my nose and just, you know, enjoy life. That's what it's about. 
I think that's very, very poignant. Enjoy life. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Ah, so good. Now, we're talking 88 proof. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. There is some of that burn. And talk about the mash bill because I I characterize this as being a higher rye mash bill. So talk about the mash bill. Yep. So it's uh, about 63-ish percent corn. And then the balance is a split between rye malt and barley malt. Now... You definitely get that rye. You get the peppery notes to it. Your sister or sister-in-law who got the burn, mm-hmm. I think that's the mixture between the rye and just the ethanol coming off. But to me, it doesn't have a high ethanol content. It doesn't. It's not like you're going to be sipping a cask strength. Mm-hmm. But I think that rye content there, and I think the the barley gives it this earthy tone at the end. And I think the, between, I guess, the corn, mm-hmm. because I haven't had this specific corn, and I think that's a great uniqueness to what you're doing. I'd love to know what characteristic of the yeast mm-hmm. contributes to this than another yeast that you would have used or tried in the, the past. Yeah, this this yeast is specifically the like the fruity part. So that this this yeast is amazing in that quality, and it, it gives it. So I because I just sipped mine and did my. Just the finish on it is also very pleasant. It's one of the other things we really like about this is that you're not sitting there going, ooh. Like, you know, it's the whole experience from the time you nose it to the, to the finish is it's just it's very smooth and wonderful. And I don't know. I feel like I'm sitting in a field in the sound of music. I don't know why. The hills are alive? <laughs> um, it, See, now maybe if the Von Trapp family had this... I don't know. They would have just gotten out of uh, the area. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it, it's, it was a pleasant surprise that this is where we landed. Uh, but certainly, uh, I, hate, I hate to keep bringing up the yeast, but the yeast is... No, I, look, I think that's important. The money. Because you talk about being a nano distillery, being a micro distillery, and this is what you're planting your flag on. This is what's going to make you unique. This is what your characteristic, this is as you move forward saying, this is why you should move forward with what we're making because this is, we're different, mm-hmm. right? You're a little different. So what I can share with you is the experience is, you're right, you, you know, in terms of that floral note you get first, um, we've been sipping this, there's a little dryness at the end, but you, you do get this floral that just kind of lingers on the palate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's also some corn there too. Yep. So it, it's definitely a sipper. I know you make cocktails with this. What are some of the cocktails you're making with this? So my favorite is the whiskey sour. It's not your grandma's whiskey sour. It's actually made with lemon juice and simple syrup. And the simple syrup is the same um, sugar because we make it in-house that we make our rum from, which is like an awesome tie-in. But uh, it's such a simple drink, but it lets the fledgling shine without overwhelming you if you're not, if you're not a drinker. <laughs> no, I, I think that – look – if you can take this and you can introduce a way that people can enhance what you're making with the fledgling, I think that's important yeah. too. And yeah. that people understand, hey, we can actually take this, make a cocktail out of it, put it over yeah. a glass, put it on a glass with ice. There are a lot of different variations. And I always tell people, I have never been a bartender. So everything I make for you behind <laughs> the bar is something I can make for myself at home. And if I wouldn't drink it, I wouldn't serve it to you. So everything is Tasha approved. Tasha approved. That's a, that's a big I Big see a lot. I see a lot of T-shirts coming out of Tadmore <laughs> with all these sayings and puns and everything else. Once you get enough distilled, you can mm-hmm. start working on merch, right? Oh yeah. What's next? So 
We're going to move to the bourbon. Okay. We're this, going right to bourbon. Yes. Okay. This is my baby. Because you can't wait. I can't. Okay. Uh, we have waited. We're not going to do rum. We're going right to bourbon. I, Screw forget you. the rum. Okay. Forget the rum. No, the it's a good rum, part. though. It is, but the bourbon's better. Okay. <laughs> so the bourbon is aged one year, so we only use 10-gallon barrels because we're so small. There's no way we could fill a normal barrel New in American enough time. Oak. New American oak. Uh, from the Appalachians, so Appalachian oak, uh, and our barrels are made uh, on the eastern seaboard in New York. So very exciting. Uh, that Who's we're making finally your done. barrels? So the one, what you're tasting today was Who's East, your East, East Coast. East Coast. Barrels. Now, what? Talk about the char. Talk about the barrel. So this is a medium number three char, the typical bourbon char. We didn't want to deviate too much on our first run, so we, we're, we're very happy with how it came out. Uh, we were only in the barrel a couple of weeks, and we took a peek, and it already had lots of color. So we were very excited about that. And now a year later, we, we've gotten to, again, 88-proof, very sippable bourbon. And the difference between the fledgling and the bourbon is just uh, – it, it's just such a good build on what was a strong foundation, so – it's it's all that all that typical like bourbon vanilla caramel, and the smokiness. Which the medium number three char. I don't know if it's this particular Cooper's way of doing things because he's a he's a Romanian, and when we visited him, I don't know if I'm calling him out, but he was smoking a chimney outside of a warehouse full of wood. Very interesting. Um, but that whatever that's that style is, um, it just, it's imparted so much goodness on the, on the bourbon. I, you mentioned all the characteristics that you would expect in a bourbon. Um, deeper, there's, there are these chocolate notes and I almost get, I don't know why for me, but it's, it's, um, when you open up a box of Raisinets in the movie theater and you get the essence of the raisins and oh, yeah. chocolate on the nose. <laughs> okay. I yeah, get that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's not like actually sticking my nose into the box, but you know if you're sitting next to somebody that just opened up a box of mm-hmm. raisinets, you can smell it. And that's what I'm getting on, on the nose. And I don't know if that, again, that goes back to the, you know, the earthiness of the, the corn and then the yeast and the, the combination, but I get that on the nose. Yeah. it's um, So going back to my old favorite, Woodford Reserve, all those lovely qualities in there, kind of what we were shooting for. And I get, again, the mint has gone away a little bit, and I don't know, I'm also smelling a little rosemary on the nose there as well. Um, so Just goodness. Again, you know, now, now, all right, I'm, I'm going and I'm going to sit there and just watch office reruns because that's what you're telling me how to do this. Um, and just nose this and just enjoy this. Yeah, so give it a, a little second. So this is one year in the 10-gallon barrel. Yep. Talk about... You're, you're bourbon people. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got this brown spirit love imparted in you. Talk about what your plans are for your bourbon and, and you know, what, what you've projected out as far as what you're going to do with that. Yep. So uh, we have lots of barrels now filled because of COVID. We got to divert a lot of what we were, going, we were planning to make as fledgling, and we just threw it in a barrel which is awesome. Um, we actually have a leap day barrel, which we're very excited about. Okay. So it was it was barreled on February 29th. Um, now, because it's a 10-gallon barrel, right, there's more surface contact with the exterior of the barrel, which is why we have a shorter aging time. So we're thinking about leaving that one for four years, getting to the straight bourbon whiskey tagline. Um, and technically, it will only be a year old in four years. 
So we're, we're very excited about that. Four years down the line, that's like a, that will be a very special release. But otherwise, it's just, you know, keep so on. So how many on. barrels right now are, are being, are sleeping? We have seven going to be eight next week. Now, you just released your first bourbon. Mm-hmm. How many bottles did you release? Sixty. Sixty bottles. Yeah. How many are left? None. None. So we really are only we're drinking from the last available bottle. And when is the next release date for your bourbon? January. January. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen. People are going to listen to the podcast and they're going to be saying, I'd like to have some tad more bourbon. Make your plans for January. January, right? Yes, please. Okay. I have not. So the bourbon has been out for one week. Um, it sold out within hours. It was gone. Uh, and it, it was wonderful. Like we weren't, we weren't too surprised that it was going, we knew it was going to sell out. Uh, it's such a small quantity, right? But the fact that it sold out before the afternoon was over and we released the email at 1145 AM and we're sitting here with all these emails like, okay, we got to get this done and shipped off and sorry, anybody who had ideas for Christmas, but <laughs> it's gone. Um, I'm it, it imagining was wonderful. there's at least one or two bottles in the Vitaly home. Oh, of course. Of Bottle course. one, barrel one <laughs> from every batch is up on our home bar. And every time I go to reach for something, I hope to God, because I am very clumsy, uh, that I don't that I don't knock it off. But that'll those will be ones to hand down for a couple generations. So your son mm-hmm. has a wonderful legacy to inherit. Yes. For himself. You better like bourbon. <laughs> so I do, again, I, I, I get the, the chocolate notes on this. I don't, it doesn't taste, I don't get the sweetness of the raisin that I get on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a dry finish to that, and I think that comes back around to that corn and yeast. Uh, the barrel, the oakiness. I don't get a lot of oakiness on the mouth, but I still get that spiciness, that warmth, that cinnamon, that hug that you would want in a bourbon. So this is delicious. Great job on number one. Thank you. Yeah, great job. Thank you. This is, this was it. This was the other day when we when we bottled this. Um, my husband hates pictures. I hate pictures. We don't take many pictures. But I was like, we have to take a picture today. I'm sorry, you have to comb your hair. Like this is this you is have it. To comb this your is hair. the pinnacle of our achievements. You have to comb your hair. We're drinking bourbon today. <laughs> yes. I also get as we're sipping this, I get a little a little grassiness to. To the finish on the, on the it's it's what it, that yeah. polleny earthy floral. But I love the. Like, this just, is why uh, I just love sipping stuff, and this yeah. is why I just love enjoying. Because if you stop and slow down, you're going to experience so many layers mm-hmm. of of what you're trying. And I would say, you know, great job by you guys. I think I think you really are, you, you know, your bourbon people making really great bourbon. And stewards of the bourbon industry. So I, I would com- commend you and Thank you. you and Steve on that. It's it's one of those things where we early on in this journey um, we have gotten advice to outsource, and we chose not to. We knew it would be slower. We knew it would take a while, um, but it's just it's th- yours. This you is much it, right? more. We get so much more satisfaction out right. of this, and this this was our ultimate goal. It no shortcuts. I love that. So, we're going to go to the rum family now. Yes. So, and how well, did so you knew you wanted yeah, to do bourbon? Yeah. How is it? And I guess my question is, how is it that you're doing, or you chose to do rum, not vodka, mm-hmm. or maybe vodkas in the future? 
So where are you on that plan? Yes. So bourbon is very labor intensive. Uh, we don't have a lot of, we, we're, we keep it simple. Um, we are not financed here. Uh, it's all, we're not trust fund babies. Everything comes out of our pockets. So we are very, like I said, efficient and small scale. Everything uh, that can be done manually is done manually. So it's, it's very old school too, which is very ap- appropriate for Salem. But uh, laudering takes so much out of us. We're sitting, we like, we, we've got the lauder ton and we're sitting there with the... What's laudering? So for our particular still and the equipment that we have, we need to separate off the um, the liquid from the grain. So we do ferment on the grain, which is awesome, but we need to get that grain out before we throw it in the still. So we use our lauder ton, which has a uh, 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 mesh at the bottom, and we actually throw the grain in there and then we... We move it around to let the liquid drain out and into the still. We've gotten to be very good at it. We have great arm strength now. <laughs> but it, it takes a lot out of you, especially in the summer months where our, our distilling area is not heated and cooled. So it, you're really hot and you're sitting there working your arms and you're like, oh, my God, can this please be over? Um, so because also bourbon takes just such a long time, right, to get to the end result, we're like, what else can we make? Because people want different things like that's just the reality of it not everybody's a bourbon drinker so uh rum was something that spoke to us as a next alternative we're not really vodka drinkers uh but aged rum sounded great so how do we get there let's start with an unaged rum and we looked into it we experimented that experiment went much better okay what was the experiment (laughs) uh just you know cooking the mash is 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 a labor of love, but skill, right? Because you're dealing with solids, whereas with the rum, the sugar and molasses, you're just you're just melting things. It's kind of how I I very much when I describe it to people who come in, it's very much it's cooking, right? You're you're cooking, um, so it's much easier to make a simple syrup than it is to make like a perfect oatmeal on the stove, right? Um, so the simple syrup or the the melting of the ingredients went really well. Um, fermentation's easy. It's a different yeast. I will say that. Um, and it, it was just so much faster and less labor intensive, uh, but still tasted good. Uh, and that's one of the things that we really enjoy. So we do we do get a lot of vodka drinkers in here, and we're like, sorry, we don't want vodka, but we think you'll like the rum. And the rum has a lot of the same interesting qualities as the fledgling, but it's not the fledgling. It's not bourbon. No, this it's isn't. Uh, if you it's put interesting. Them, if you put them in front of me, this is not a, a mm-hmm. corn-based spirit yes but it's got the same i guess it's got the same vibes right like it's interesting it's not going to knock your pants off there it's meant to be enjoyed as well and when people say like well what's white rum i'm like have you ever tasted bacardi and they're like yeah and i'm like well this does not taste like that but this is the same product theoretically (laughs) well i mean obviously well bacardi is a sugar cane product and it doesn't have molasses as i know and if there's anybody that wants to correct me on that that's fine um, and I appreciate that, but with the molasses, you get the molasses characteristics that mm-hmm. come right off on this. Yep. So you're actually nosing something with character. Yep. Um, yep. And you know what I get on this is is the um, you know that 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 marshmallow, uh, the the kind of toasted, slightly burnt marshmallow on that. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I, I will say, what you're producing. Has a nice experience on the nose. Everything you know that you've you've made just 
gives that overall, hey, we get to nose this and we get to taste this. Mm-hmm. Which is very important because my the running joke, so the Vitalis do have uh, very large noses. And it's, <laughs> it's both a blessing and a curse because Steve has this great developed palate. He can smell. When I was pregnant, he could smell things that I couldn't smell. He's just, he's very sensitive to smell and taste. And I believe that has been one of our secret weapons in developing products that are, are good from start to finish because he, he can pick out a bad batch a mile away. He's like, nope, not going anywhere. Dump it. Um, Which is hard because you have the funk that comes off of the fermentation process. Mm -hmm. So you really have to understand what the character is going to be once you put it in the still, right? Yep. He, he's attuned to that. Like you would not believe. So everything we make, it has to smell good or else you do get, you do get pineapple on the nose, um, a little citrus, I think like a little lemon on the nose. So it, it does have that refreshing, refreshing nose to it. This is our candy. It's our candy drink. Is there a, um, a cocktail that you prefer that's uh, Tasha proof, as yes, you said? Yes. So this is, this is the rum punch is okay. my, my baby on this one. Uh, the ladies really love it. <laughs> it's pineapple juice, grenadine, uh, a little bit of lime juice, and this. Uh, it, it makes for a wonderful drink. Oh, I just heard. That was, a, um, that was a, like a pre-prohibition cocktail, a prohibition cocktail. It's rum, pineapple juice, and grenadine. Okay. And now I can't remember the name of it, but it does have a name. So I'll have to I'll have to resource that and get back to you. Yeah, yeah. We'll put it in the tasting notes or the, sh- the, the, the show notes, what that cocktail was. But we, we, we like to keep it simple. And this, I think this it, is a delicious rum. This is a delicious rum. Really nice. Now you take this rum and what do you do with it? So um, this is not, we do not spice our rum. We age our rum. And... The, the layman gets it confused, but it is just aged. Uh, well, because I think what happens is you see something that was a rum or is a rum mm-hmm. and you see the color to it. Yep. You automatically, I think your mind thinks because of the way we're conditioned exactly. commercially, oh, this must be yes. a spice rum. So right? this is just aged. It's And I, I don't say just, but it's aged for six months. Now, the unique thing about our aged rum is that it's put in new barrels. We don't have any used barrels because we're a newer distillery. So it is getting that raw bourbon char, that medium number three char, that you typically would throw your bourbon at for the rum. So it gives you a lot of different qualities that you would not normally get from a rum, which typically is thrown in a used barrel. Now, are there... So we're talking about your rum series. Mm Mm-hmm. What are the plans, if there are any, now that you may start to come off with used bourbon barrels? Mm-hmm. Or are there thoughts that you're going to have to do different things with your rum? Um, so the age rum is actually taken off for us, um, surprisingly more than we expected. So we'll probably s- still put it in bourbon barrels to see just what happens. Um, and maybe that'll be our new our new take on the age drum over time. But for now, it's going to be in, in new for the... For about the next year or so. Okay, but, but I'm, I'm actually I'm sure very excited tinkering. to see. There's tinkering. Yeah, I, it's it's always like, well, what do we do with this? Do we do we throw it in another rum barrel to keep we you know, preserve that flavor? Or do we steal from the bourbon 
to get some of that flavor. So it's it's always it's fun, right? It's all about experimentation. This there's is the never, beauty of what you're there's doing. There's never now. a day you, that things are the same. You more stuff open up, right? When you start to do one thing, it leads to another, mm-hmm. which leads to another that you now have more choices. Yep. And think about all the collaborations that'll start coming your mm-hmm. way. You told me you have a coffee shop down the road, right? Yes. Or a coffee shop moving in. I mean, you know. Oh, we're thinking. Coffee beans, are they going to roast their own? What happens with those beans? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of oh, stuff yes. that can be done oh, here. Oh, yes. But next on, our, next on our list by popular demand is vodka and then gin. So is it going to be a corn vodka? Uh, have you played around with some stuff? We, we have because we were on the hand sanitizer journey and never really got there because we're so small. Like, everybody else got to it before us. So we kind of just were like, eh, let's just see if we could do vodka for now. Um so it is it is corn based for now, um, unless we find something else that we really like. But it'll be it'll be interesting. What I can share with you is on the the flavor profile here. Because of the oak, you do actually get oak on this more so than I did get on your bourbon. But there's a, a bunch of spicy notes that come out. So I know this is not a spiced rum, but for whatever reason, the interaction with the wood. I start to get some spices along the way. Some clove, some cinnamon, some nutmeg. Yep. Maybe that's just my head wanting no, this to be something. No, no, but, no. It's very but that's deep. But that's what seems to come through there. Mm-hmm. It actually, for me, like it hits on the sides of the tongue versus the center. Um, it's it's just different. And I, it's, I don't know if it's because we like the bourbon so much that we try to make our aged rum to be like this, complex creature sophistication yes it's not you don't throw it in a rum and coke although you can um but yeah it's meant to be you don't want to hide you don't want to hide this you want to enhance this yep keep it very simple um and and you know i I could see you know i don't know why but a mojito kind of pops into my head just because now you've got just club soda a little simple syrup and some mint and maybe maybe yeah. that's the way you Well, the Bad it. Omen in the fall before COVID, uh, our drink of choice on that was called a Queen's Park Swizzle. Okay. And that had, it was a mojito, but it had bitters in it. And man, that thing is good. Now, Bad Omen. So let's go back to something. So Bad oh, yes, Omen. Bad How Omen. did the name Bad Omen come about? So Bad Omen White Rum came about because uh, we, we did not want to make rum, but we were exhausted. And we said, what else can we make other than bourbon? Because we can't do this in the heat of the summer. And... Uh, the day Steve decided to make rum, there was a dead bird outside. And he's like, that's my sign. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on the label, there's a picture of a vulture. Uh, it was not a dead vulture, thankfully. Uh, but behind the distillery is the Salem City Water Tower. And all of the vultures in town love to hang out at the the water tower and spread their wings and, and warm themselves in the sun. So we are always being visited by vultures. They're nonstop. They're like, if we had a spirit animal, it would be a vulture. <laughs> and then, and, and hence, bad omen. A bad omen. But this is actually a good omen. Yes, hopefully. Well, it's bad if you drink too much of it, but good if you just sip it and enjoy it. <laughs> Talk about the plan in terms of what this is going to look like for you once COVID restrictions are released. How do you see interacting at the distillery? What do you see for this space? Yep. So this building has a very unique history. It was built around 1790 by a widow. 
and it used to have about three different editions on the back of it. And then in the 50s, the Masons actually purchased it. It became Masonic Lodge. So it was Freemasons. And, yep. Okay. Uh, their, their cornerstone's actually still on the front of the building. Are there any hidden passageways? Not any, that I found. Like, I'm is Nicholas Cage going to do his next movie out of your <laughs> distillery? He might. Who knows? Uh, but we haven't found anything super interesting yet. Uh, but they, they knocked down all of those additions and created an event space. So downstairs is where a lot of our customers have said, like, oh, when I was a kid, I was here, and there was a wedding, whatever. So the downstairs below us? Right here. Oh, right okay. Here. When you yes. say downstairs. Oh, On the this, first floor. This floor. Yes. I'm thinking there may be a basement thing that there we is have. A, there is a creepy brick basement, but we'll, we'll revisit that. Okay. So the whole first floor was a big open space for their events, and then upstairs was where they had their secret, private, whatever they do, events. For the Masons. For the Masons, okay. yes. That was their spot. And then uh, the building was purchased in the 90s and converted into office space. So where we're sitting, what is now our tasting room, used to be a conference room, which we think this is a much better use of space, obviously. Uh, obviously. Although there may have been drinking going on there, too. Who knows? Uh, and then the upstairs has been converted to cubicles. We would love to change those cubicles back to the event space. So that my, my end game in the next couple of years is to really open that space up and turn it into a, a large event space so we can do those big parties, weddings, that kind of thing. So that sounds exciting. I want I want people to come into the building and appreciate its architecture because it is it, it is very different. It's again, I mean, for for us and you get a really great vibe when you come here. And I think it's also about the welcoming personality, um, the, the the staff that you have here of creating that experience that you want your guest and your customer to have. You want to create that experience so when they bring home a bottle or two, they can relive that experience. If they take home some of your bad, bad omen rum, you, they, they, their mind can bring them back to the first time that they were here. And I think that's what you're enhancing. That's what you're growing from and moving forward. And then you say, well, if we're planning on a party, why don't we have it at, Tad, at Tadmore? Mm-hmm. And then we can really enjoy that the space there as well. So I, I think that's exciting. And I'm really, really, and I don't mean to sound, for, for what you're doing for Salem, I think is really important. I think it's very valuable. And to see what this town is going to look like because of your contribution in the next year or so, this is going to be the spot where people are going to want to come to. Yes, we've already, um, we've converted a few locals. We're now their Saturday spot. And uh, people have shortened our name to the Tadmore, like the Tadmore. The Tadmore. I'm, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> Tasha, is there anything we haven't talked about on the podcast that you want to add or share or let us know? Oh, I don't know. There's so many. Th- I, well, I gave you the building history, which is always a winner. Um, the other thing that we haven't talked about is the creepy portrait. They keep staring at me. <laughs> I'm sorry. You've got a bad spot. Yeah. <laughs> They're looking they, at you. They look like a lovely couple. Um, I, I just, my impression that, um, they're funeral directors. It looks like it doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> from the seventies, I'm imagining. Yeah. So, um, when you walk from our to our lounge area and into the distilling area, there is a beautiful portrait of Steve's grandparents. So this, you will be greeted, uh, by Angelo and Rose Vitale who, in this picture, look like they hate each other, which they possibly do at this point in their lives. Um, 
But uh, we won that in a family. Every year the family, well, despite COVID, um, normally we would get together for like a little family reunion and uh, the aunts in the family, so my uh, Steve's father's sisters, all bring a thing that they would like to get rid of. And one year... That was this what was they one wanted of the to get things. rid of. That was like the white elephant gift. And we right? won. We okay. won the family raffle. <laughs> um, and I had no idea what to do with this thing for a couple of years. And then as we started furnishing the distillery, I said, you know what? This would go great. I bought it a new frame. And now what I say is their spirits are watching over our spirits. And man, with that, with that glare. <laughs> it stands out. It really does. It's a great conversation piece. Yeah, it, it, you can't miss it by any means. Mm-mm. So it's it's a good part of the conversation. It's a good part of the experience coming here. How do people find you? Yes, we are on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Okay. Normal name, nothing crazy. Uh, or you can find Tadmore Distilling. Tad- just search it out yep, as Tadmore search Distilling. Search Tadmore Distilling. Uh, or you can go to our website at tadmoredistilling.com, and our social media handles are all at the top there for you to click on. Uh, I manage all of our social media. You will, If you call me or you call the distillery, you will get me, whether that's a good or bad thing. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're all hands on deck, me and my husband Steve, and uh, we, we love doing it. It's, it's very fun. So feel free to reach out. We, we love talking to people and sharing our passion with with everybody. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, you're very accessible to all those states. So yes. if you're in the area, this is a great distillery to come to, visit with you. Right now you're just open on Saturdays? Yeah, so because of COVID and our limited capacity, we're open on Saturdays from 1 to 5. But I always say if you have seven friends, I will always open for you whatever time you would like if that's late at night or during the week, whatever. Uh, but we're only 15 minutes from the Delaware Memorial Bridge. We're right off of 295. Uh, if you're going to the shore, we're very accessible. We are on your way. Tadmore is on your way. Mm-hmm. And you're on the way. You are on your way. You and Steve are doing a great job. I am grateful that you took the time to sit down with us. I'm grateful that you guys have just decided to take your love of bourbon and love of distilling and sharing that high school sweetheart passion with the rest of the world, and we look forward to all great stuff coming out of Tadmore Distilling. Thanks for having me. Tasha, thanks for taking the time. We really enjoyed this. I really I really did. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you.